feel like you were born in the wrong era? Do you pine for a time gone by? Well, you've come to the right place. I'm Kaya Handley. Welcome to This Retro Life. When did you know that vintage was going to change your life? That light bulb moment when you knew you'd found something that completes you. For me, it was doing a 50s pin-up shoot with one of my friends. That feeling of confidence, of finding my style, it was something I wanted to replicate in my life each and every day. So let me introduce you to someone who recently found their style. Not that you can tell. Her social media feed is like looking at a living history book, a documentary and World War II movie all at once. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to Stephanie Lenora. She loves the 1940s and, on a side note, also has one of the best accents I've ever heard. Love it to chat with you. Her journey to vintage was like so many of ours. It started with experimentation. As a teenager, I went through multiple different styles, everything from hip-hop to goth and rock. I was actually uh, playing in an all-girls rock band <laughs> during, during high school. But I was always intrigued by the retro vintage style, um, the old music and the burlesque scene, but I didn't really feel at home in the 1950s rockabilly style, which is the main vintage style in Sweden. But I've always had a, a, an interest in England ever since I was five years old. My parents brought me to London. Uh, I've been a bit obsessed with everything English. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was through my interest in England that I came across the stories about the Blitz and the home front movement during World War Two. The more I learned about the everyday World War Two life in England, I wanted to know about the 1940s life in Sweden. And after that, it kind of just grew and I just got completely sold on it. Everything from the music to the clothes, the hair, the atmosphere, the community feel, the elegance, the poise, politeness, correctness. I think it's really interesting that you came through that history portal, you know, for what was a really dark mm. time for the rest of the world. Mm. Many of us would be familiar, especially here in Australia, with what World War II meant for, for England. But what was the 40s like in Sweden? We were a, a neutral country during the war in the sense of helping both sides. There were a lot of American pilots uh, that was having they were having bomb missions over Germany and they wanted to try and get to the closest safe place after doing the mission and they quite often ended up in Sweden. So we were taking care of the American pilots that came over and also there were British ones, there were Canadian ones. But at the same time, we were also letting Germany run their trains through Sweden up to Norway. We know that in parts of uh, Europe during the war, it was pretty dire. It was, there was a lot of poverty and people were on rations. Was that what it was like in Sweden as well? There were rations, but it wasn't as poor and as miserable <laughs> as, as a lot of people have talked about. I think it was more just very tense about what was going on in the world and are we going to be able to keep our being neutral. But in the end, we did get through the war and also being able to, ha able to help with exchanging prisoners. Given your love of history that's very clear and your love of vintage, which anyone who follows you on Instagram can see, it's really not surprising that you've found your way into war reenactment. Tell me what you do. 
me and my fiance, we, we enact World War Two, US Army Forces. I do uh, Army Nurse Corps and he's mostly into the Air Force. We recently started our own living history group called Home Front Frontline. Our first display, we concentrated on the Army Living Quarters during the Rhineland Battle in Germany in March 45. We are very particular about details and want to make sure that what we do is historically correct. And with all the research that goes into every impression we do and the amount of original stuff we got among each other, I think we are able to do a decent job. But Mark, he's got so much stuff that it, he could basically open his own museum. That <laughs> <laughs> home front stuff, military stuff, uniforms, it's overflowing. <laughs> How hard is this stuff to find, the, the really original stuff from the war, from nurses' uniforms, from army uniforms, all that sort of stuff? It's becoming more difficult than it used to. The prices have just gone up the roof the mm. last five years. So it's a very expensive hobby to have right now. It's at least doubled in price, absolutely everything. And it's something that is growing a lot in England, especially. For a few years ago, maybe there was an event every other week. Nowadays, is about during season time, which is about... April to September, there's at least like three events every weekend. So it's just exploded. Why? Why is it so popular? I don't know. I guess I guess it's a bit the thing with with having if your parents have done something, then it's a bit dorky. But your grandparents is okay. That, that it's okay to be interested in what they've been doing. And I think that with that generation is they are starting to pass away. And maybe that is why the interests have increased. What do you think doing the reenactments means for history? We all have to read the history books. We all have to study World War II. But mm. taking part in it, dressing in the part, taking part in this reenactments, what does this mean in t- for you when it comes to remembering what these people went through? When you get to touch the things that's actually been there, when you get to put a face to a storyline you kind of get a sense of more reality among it when you, when you read about it in the books you sit there in school and you study for the test and everything it's hard to get that emotional connection to it but when you actually get to see it and speak to uh, veterans and and get to experience it in the right environment you get a completely different feel for it and the education on World War II is very different between Sweden and England too. In England, it's a bit more natural for even from a young age to learn about the home front and, and growing the vegetables and the blitz and everything that went on, that it's a natural part of all the way through school to mm. learn about it. While in Sweden, it is just a small part within whole subject of history and I've heard people that that basically had little clue on everything that happened in Asia for example the whole Pacific campaign because that was nothing that really made a big deal of during history class in Sweden it's mostly concentrated around the Holocaust it's definitely a learning curve for me even just the first time I came in contact with the military reenactment I was just, how on earth am I going to be able to wrap my head around this? 
because it's so unknown to me. But it's a learning curve and, and I'm getting slowly getting there. You learn just by being a part of it, just by being around your fiancé, being around these events and, and giving it a go? I do a lot of research at home, yep. a lot of uh, looking online, a lot of reading books, uh, got loads of old magazines and watching documentaries, listening to audiobooks, podcasts. So a lot of my free time goes to researching more around both uh, the war in Europe and and how America was affected by it and Sweden and just trying to get a whole picture of what was going on. It's also been a case of Stephanie throwing herself completely into the world of reenacting, of learning new skills and new things about herself along the way. Things like finding a new appreciation for camping, thanks to her fiancé Mark. Everyone around me were just laughing when I told them that I was going to do my first ever tent camping in a World War II tent on an airfield, cooking food on a gas stove and getting myself ready in front of a small mirror in the damp cold morning. (laughs) No one has ever seen me as a camping girl. My mom is still baffled and everyone felt sorry for me. Even I did. (laughs) But I was proven wrong. And I really enjoyed it. Good. And I know. And I was so surprised. But I think that for me, it's part of the reenactment to do everything from hammering down those pegs in the ground, doing all the washing in the tin bowl and challenge of getting yourself dolled up uh, under those kind of circumstances. And I have done, it was quite recently, we were doing the same kind of camping, but on a normal camping spot. And it was just completely different, which is so strange because it is the same tent. It's the same casto. It's the same tin bowl. It was just in the wrong environment. It just didn't belong there. And no, I didn't like that at all. You want to go back to the, <laughs> so I'm still, the original? Yeah, I'm still, I'm still not a camping girl. I love World War II camping. <laughs> <laughs> so you couldn't go modern camping, but if we're throwing you back into the 1940s, you're good to go. Yes. I'm telling you, it is the wrong era for me. <laughs> I, can't, I can't handle the modern world. I want my little vintage bubble. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie Lenora's vintage bubble is a 1940s dream. Her style is impeccable, seamlessly matching true vintage items with reproduction pieces, the perfect 40s hair, makeup and accessories. But finding vintage has been so much more than just a daily aesthetic. It's helped her find her place, her people, a community, and helped with her mental health. came across a lot of people with mental health struggles or with history of bullying that has kind of turned into uh, towards the vintage community and maybe that's one of the reasons why we are into it in a way that we dare to be different because we kind of have feeling of maybe not fitting in no matter what we do or just sod it life's too short I'm gonna (laughs) live the way I want to yeah and and we don't have those boundaries we dare to think outside the box, maybe. I don't know. But it's very, very common. How does it help when you can Mm. sit on the couch and do a hairstyle or sit on the couch and research? How does that get you to your happy place? For me, I just felt at home when I found my era. Because like I said, I I didn't feel at home in the classic vintage scene in in Sweden with uh, the 1950s and rockabilly. 
but when I, when I found the 1940s and especially going to my first event, when I stepped onto that, I was just like, wow, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been dressing yeah. 1940s for now? It was a slow transitioning for me, I think. It started out with just being intrigued maybe five, six years ago, like starting trying out some victory roles and having a bit of influence fashion. But I think it must have been about maybe three, four years ago that I really started to get into it. And especially now having a a partner that is into it too. It's just growing even more. <laughs> yeah, what's that like to be able to share it with him? It is amazing. We met during a uh, Forts event two years ago and it was just instant spark, but it wasn't about until like six months later that we became a couple, even though we were living in different countries <laughs> and I had to make it work. <laughs> For us to be able to share the hobby among each other, it is just so wonderful. And we both agreed on the fact that no one of us could ever be with someone who wasn't into the 40s because for us, it's a way of looking at life and it's having an influence on everything from values, choice of movies, what to choose to spend your money on. For, for most people who are not into the reenactment and doing full-on 40s vintage style, does seem a bit nerdy <laughs> and maybe a bit weird because I can tell you my my parents they just didn't get it at all in the beginning they mostly just shook their heads when I like excitedly told them about finding another wartime gas mask but, but I think that this year they finally got their head around it and had learned to appreciate the style and get an interest for the story, for the history when there's something amazing to be able to share that passion you know as you said you're filling nearly all your spare time with this stuff so it's got to, you need to mm. have someone who also enjoys that so you, when they get home you can be like oh my goodness guess what I learned today or look what I yeah. found online or look what I've just bought you do you guys search for vintage for each other as well oh yes we do <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a constant messaging like oh I've seen this one oh I, uh, this suit maybe that can fit you and oh my god I've got such a bargain <laughs> <laughs> when just the other day I found a big bunch of, of um, Swedish 1942 uh, uniforms uh, female uniforms and I was just so excited <laughs> and sending messages, oh, my God, I found this. And the next day, I'm still so excited about what I found. And, and just to have someone who can understand it. So you might have picked up by now that Stephanie Lenora has two homes. She goes back and forth between her home nation of Sweden and England. And her and fiancé Mark make it work. But there's another part to Stephanie's story that makes everything she does pretty remarkable. It was three years ago when Stephanie acquired a brain injury. I was thrown off from a horse, straight into a ditch with my head first. First couple of weeks, I could barely do anything else but to lay in a silent, silent dark room. The next couple of weeks, I could listen to audiobooks and see a bit of daylight. But it took months before I could watch TV or do my own food shopping because my brain just couldn't handle all the information at mm. once. And it took more than a year before I was able to stay awake for a whole day as my energy levels run out so quickly. 
So from this accident, which was a few years ago, I still suffer from something that is known as brain fatigue. And that can occur after, for example, a concussion, stroke or uh, being burnt out. You get everything from major fatigue, uh, memory problems, headache, dizziness, difficulty with problem solving and complex contexts, restlessness. It changes the whole way of living your life. And it's just been a real battle to kind of get myself from not even being able to listen to the radio to where I am today, traveling back and forth between Sweden and England, with the reenactment weekends and being independent again, taking care of myself and I got a little son and just try and have a good life. The first months after the accident, it was I was going through such a grieving process and I was just feeling that my life had basically ended. Like, okay, here I am in my 20s and can't work, can't do anything fun. Yeah, I basically just had to, I can be awake for three hours, then I have to go to sleep again. Um, but since then, I've learned to live my life in another way, to give as much quality as possible. And it is a slow healing process. I'm never going to be fully recovered in the since that being back to where I was before the accident. How did having that vintage community around you help you get to this point, like pull you out of that slump? I think that it just gave me that light. I had to reevaluate everything. I was faced with having to choose what do I think is important in life? What do I want to do? What do I want to put my energy on? Because it was so limited. And that's where I kind of found something that I really, really enjoyed that wasn't making my symptoms worse. The whole experience has just made me a happier, nicer and more grounded person. And I think I've gotten to know myself a lot better because of the accident. So in a way, I wouldn't like to reverse it and not have it happen, even though it's very hard yeah. still some days just focuses things it just makes you realize what's important yeah but i i think with having the the interest in in the history and reenactment and everything i think what's frustrating me most uh, at this point is having the memory problems uh because it's like even though i, I probably I, let's just say i will probably never be the historian doing the speeches about world war ii uh because I forget most of what I read. <laughs> but all the studying has kind of given me a, a very trustworthy gut feeling. So it is hidden somewhere inside, but I won't be the teacher of our group. <laughs> That's okay. There's other, you have other roles within the group, I'm sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I love following you on your Instagram. I love seeing all the – it's like watching someone who's just stepped out of – literally just stepped out of the past when it comes to the looks you put together and your uh, reenactment. It's incredible. What What are you hoping for your, your modern vintage life going forward? I hope to just build up my vintage wardrobe even more. <laughs> I still – that's the thing. I'm, I'm not that lucky that I'm just uh, swimming in – loads of money in a hidden uh, dungeon somewhere Bugger. yes I know <laughs> it, it just wasn't my luck <laughs> so I, I'm still I still have quite a lot of modern pieces in my wardrobe that I'm trying to just use up a bit when I'm out playing with my son or just crawling around the floor playing with the cars and everything the the whole 
social platform that Instagram uh, is has definitely made me a completely different social network, really. Because for me, with my history of being bullied in school, I, I never had that big social network around me. And I always felt like an outsider in most constellations. But when I got involved within the vintage scene and got to know more people with the same passion, I finally felt like part of a community. And uh, I'm still mostly involved in the English community, but now I started to get to know a few 1940s nerds in Sweden too. Well, thank you for deciding to become part of our community that we create here each week (laughs) on This Retro Life. Stephanie, it's been a real pleasure to get to know you a little bit better. Thank you so much for being my guest this week. Thank you. It's been lovely. That's it for this episode of This Retro Life. You can find us on Wooshka, iTunes and Stitcher where you can subscribe and, of course, rate and review us so it's easier for other guys and gals to find this podcast. To get more information on today's guest, head to our website, thisretrolife.com or search This Retro Life on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We have some photos and videos and behind the scenes and a whole heap more retro fun, so do come and check us out. As always, if you're a vintage guy or gal from any era and into anything from cars to collectibles, we'd love to hear from you. Go to thisretrolife.com and drop us a line. Until next time, I'm Kaya Handley. Thanks for listening to This Retro Life.